2: Baby, it's the horns up talking Texas podcast. Fisher, Tasopolis, DJ, Nikki Snacks, cried, I want to say happy new year, but ultimately, it's a somber new year for everybody in Longhorn Nation. Amazing season by our Texas Longhorns. Couldn't be more excited to get to the college football playoffs. Falling short was a bit of a gut punch, especially when we were favored. We really thought we were going to take it to Washington. The national championship is in Houston. It felt like all signs were pointing to us going and trying to get that ring in our home state. But ultimately, it's not going to happen. We lose 37-31. Former friend of the show, former guest of the show, T.J. Vogel predicted the score. Texas 37, Washington 31, (laughs) which is just – it's honestly impressive but kind of unlucky because it's flipped. And our Texas Longhorns, you know, really, really, we put up a fight. We got in there lucky at the end of the game. Really exciting. But by and large, Washington proved and Michael Penix Jr. proved that they are for real. They are deserving to be in the college football playoffs. They are deserving to be undefeated. They are deserving to be in the national championship game. He was deserved to be as close as he was to Jaden Daniels and the Heisman. And he really is a top 10 caliber talent in the NFL draft coming up. And uh DeBoer is a really great head coach and you know their offensive line who we were giving credit to we probably needed to give even more credit to was fantastic and and really held up against our strong defensive front and the receivers are you know I, I was in a group text and someone said they're not as good as the 2019 LSU receivers but I think we'll look back and be like hey like that group is worthy of being mentioned
1: they're pretty close um yeah I mean I said this to you guys before we started recording that maybe we just didn't give washington enough credit i mean mm-hmm. look we know they're the number 2 team in the nation they went undefeated didn't take a loss won the pack 12 outright you know took care of business against oregon twice that people thought they were better than um i, I look there's they played such a clean game top to bottom i mean low penalties their offensive line they got benny sacks i mean i said it last week that our magic number needs to be 3 or 4 four sacks and we got 0 mm. um they didn't turn the ball over besides that muff punt. You know, if you want to consider that a turnover that was a gift to us, they played a clean game, like as clean as you could possibly play. And, you know, minus, uh, you know, a couple of decisions that we'll get into a little bit later. um, You know, they, they probably should have beat us by more. The fact that we were tied at halftime blew my mind. The fact that we had the ball left with the last play of the game on the 13 yard line to score the game winning touchdown blew my mind. Like, we were getting handed opportunities um, and we just didn't execute at the end of the day.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I thought, I thought we did to our credit, to the Longhorns credit, they did a good job of fighting back. Mm-hmm. They did a good job of rallying when they needed to, to, to stay in this game. Now, Washington dictated the entire game, right? We were playing their tempo. We were playing their game. Uh, it was remind me which game it was that in the third quarter, I think it might've been Wyoming, where they had the ball almost 11 or 12 yeah, minutes Wyoming. earlier in the season. And they took the ball out of Texas hands. Washington did the exact same thing in the third quarter of this game. Um, you know, they were doing this side-by-side comparison of Penix and Ewers. They did that throughout the entire game. It never looked good, but I think at one point in the third quarter, they flashed a graphic that said like Penix was 13 for 14 and Quinn was like four for six or something like that. And we had barely even touched the ball. Um, so they, they dominated time and possession. You already mentioned Nick that, you know, they had the, the the one turnover on special teams, but outside of that, they took care of the football and it's uh it's really easy to take care of the football, especially on the offensive side of the ball. When your QB is hardly even getting touched, breathed on by our defensive front um, and, and all credit to their offensive line. And, you know, our defensive line was highly touted by college media personalities, ourselves on our show, Quan. um, the, the Texas coaching staff throughout the entire season where we dominated was interior defensive line with mm-hmm. sweat and Murphy a lot of times because they were airing the ball. out, Those guys couldn't even be on the field. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, our younger position players, Burke and Sorrell have a lot of growing to do. And I'm glad that, you know, they're coming back to prove next year that they get even better but, because when you try, when you want to get after a quarterback, it it's on the edge guys, right? Like the defensive tackles can get, they can get past guys. They can get past the guard and the centers. Those guys draw a lot of double teams. And if your playmakers on the edge can't get to the QB, it's it's really really tough. And our guys just weren't able to. And, and all credit to, the, to Hill the best, too. Hill Two, and all credit to the best offensive line in football. That's the award they were given, and they looked like it. I mean, yeah, P- Penix was fantastic, but he had so much time back there.
2: He's elusive too, though.
1: Like he, he really did. moved. He was
2: yeah. around the pocket extremely nicely. Like I think. He ran was, more
1: than I expected as well.
2: Yeah, it was the most athletic I've seen him since you know, and they were saying on the broadcast probably since his Indiana days. Like he he really has turned into more of a pocket passer this year, but he really moved quite nicely and it was it was eerily similar to the OU game. To me honestly mm. the design runs they had with dylan gabriel kind of reminded me in moments the way they do with michael Penix jr they clearly watched that game um and i think they kind of had some delayed you know QB, QB draws which worked out in their favor for two first downs um and the way we came out reminded me of the yo game too i had one of our buddies who doesn't really watch football texting goes why why are all the passes getting deflected like why like how why is quinn like look kind of like n- not sharp really to start the game and and that's how OU felt and I think Sark and Quinn and and you know for next year, and this is one of my takeaways and one of the things I want to see for next season. I want them to come out swinging a bit harder, especially in the big games. Like I wanted that firepower that we saw in the Oklahoma State game in the big T- the Big Twelve championship game. Like we were missing that until really the fourth quarter, when all of a sudden the passing attack, you know, and then they when they were dropping back and kind of like giving us some yards, the passing attack started to, you know come into its own and fall into place. Like and like Alex said, the third quarter was completely disastrous. Probably the worst quarter of football we had all season, and and, in a really inopportune time. But I really was missing the zip that Penix Jr. had on his ball, and the zip that you know that offense had, and that firepower, that high octane offense. Like they had no rust off that time, like all that time off, they had no rust. They were ready to rock. Our team really eased into the game, and you can't do that against a really potent offense like that. You got to come out swinging.
1: Yeah, and say my takeaway is is very similar to yours. They mentioned in the broadcast that Sark likes to script the first forty plays of the game. I think a lot of that's, I mean, that, in some fashions, like that's fine and that works. But I think you have to be more inclined, especially in a game like this, to go off the script and have to you know improvise a little bit more and get d- different style of plays going. Because as you could see, early in the game, we weren't completing the first two. Three passes of the game, and then we're going three and out, incompletion, yeah. incompletion. We we're getting behind, behind the sticks, sticks though. Yeah, yeah, behind the stick the whole time. And so, like, you th- your script doesn't call for that, right? Your script mm-hmm. is like, okay, we're getting chunk yardage, chunk yardage. So, like, don't be afraid to go off script. Don't be afraid to switch it up from here and there, and then go back to the script. I just feel like they they tried too hard to to follow the way that they wanted this to go from you know last week, uh or from maybe even earlier this month. I mean, they've been they've had all month to. to to pregame this but Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to go off script here
0: yeah yeah and i think to me at least in the first half going off script offensively would have been running the football on first and second down and dominating which our our offensive line i I thought they weren't they weren't great um in in regards to pass blocking but there were some open lanes for our running backs and you know they really took advantage um said
1: 6.4 yards a carry
0: yeah, TJ Baxter and uh, and Jaden Blue both were effective running the football. Obviously, they both you know were a little too loose with the Rock and fumbled in this game. And, and for me, one of the takeaways is, as we've been talking about, and Quan has really been harping on this the entire season, this is a team that's learning how to win. And I thought in this game, we were very apparently the younger of the two football teams, the less experienced of the two football teams, and I think that that to me was the difference between, you know, Penix, who's a 23-year-old QB, mm-hmm. and Quinn Ewers, who's 20 years old. Two of our running backs, unfortunately, Jonathan Brooks wasn't able to play in this game because of that horrific injury. But we had young guys running the football, and they yeah. they both made mistakes. But they they also both had, had really successful plays. Um, you know, Baxter had that touchdown. Blue had that catch at the end of the game. But he also had that drop on the crucial – um, play yeah. out of the backfield where if he had caught that, he had room to run, and that might have been a different drive. So, I, I just felt like while we didn't execute, Washington was perfect, and I think a lot of that has to go with the coaching and the experience and the experience of the coaching being in a position like this, playing Oregon twice during you know during the regular season, basically being in two playoff games twice, and we played that Oklahoma team, but we didn't really know like what that was. It's always a playoff atmosphere in that game. Alabama, I would say that was a playoff game as well. But after watching them against Michigan, I would say that of the four teams, I was least impressed with Alabama in the college football playoff. Although both matchups were incredible games, relatively close. And of course that game went to overtime, but just as far as, you know, playing Jalen Milrow versus playing Michael Penix, it, it's a completely different ball game. Michael oh, Penix yeah. operated maybe the, in the last five years, that's the second best performance I've seen from a QB only because I was live in person at that LSU yeah. Oklahoma game with Joe Burrow, where they scored 49 points in the first half.
2: But- the, Mac, the Mac Jones, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go tit for tat on you here, but it's definitely up there, like especially the way he st- he started off six of eight for 190 yards against us. And like every throw he hit, hit was a drop in on the dime, yeah. bullet pass, fitting in every window. The, the throws are ridiculous. I think he missed like one deep ball. Yeah, and I and we were, I remember I think in our when that we were watching, and we were all like, "Thank God!" We we're like, "Jesus, yep. thank God!" Like, <laughs> like, it would have been like it was so it was so apparent that he was open. I'm like, "Oh my God, here we go again." Uh, and he was a lot better, ironically. And I know they were when I saw them up close and personal against USC, and they ran the football for 200 yards. Completely different story, you know. Us holding Dylan Johnson for 21 carries for 43 yards, which is fantastic. Um, the defense, the run defense, did their job for the Texas Longhorns. Uh, Penix Jr. looked a lot better than when I saw him live in person. He really, you know, and I think that goes to this Washington team. Like they were the number two team in the nation. They were thirteen and zero, and yet they were the underdog. Michael Penix Jr. like was close, but didn't win the Heisman. You know, obviously Jaden Daniels' numbers were were video game numbers, but Penix Jr. was undefeated. He won his, he won his conference championship, and you know, a lot of us felt that he should have won it. Um, something against Jaden Daniels, but as far as winning slash the stats and the numbers go, like Penix Jr. had both. And I think they felt disrespected and I think they had a massive chip on their shoulder and this Texas team, we saw them at times get complacent and we saw them at times not play two complete, you know, games, two complete halves of football, only one complete half of football. And unfortunately I think, you know, it was a miracle that we was 21, 21 at the half. And then we had two fumbles in the third quarter and that's it. Like you turn the ball over twice against that team they're going to make you pay and they're going to beat you. And it's by the grace of God that we had that injury timeout to even make this a game and have what set up to be the biggest cocktease of 2024, um, or the day one, <laughs> you know, and it's just, it, it's, it's unfortunate that we couldn't go and get the job done, but ultimately like you have to be happy with where this team got to this year. It's the final year of the 14 playoff. And look, I know in, no one more than us wishes we went all the way and thought we can go all the way. And I really think that, like looking at all four of these teams, we played the worst game we could have. Almost like we really did. We played we played pretty badly. The defensive backfield was non-existent. The pass rush, like Toss was saying, was non-existent. We had Keelan Robinson with a club on his hand, like full Jason Pierre-Paul mode returning kicks. I couldn't even fathom. what after Blue returned a nice
1: one and returning nice ones all game. I think I think you would. Let's it see, was bizarre. yeah. He averaged twenty six point seven yards per turn. Mm -hmm. I mean that his longest was thirty one. Like, and when Keelan was touching the ball, I mean, look, he's been electric for us all season. With the club on your hand, you drop the ball, like you're immediately losing five to ten yards because of your you can't accelerate. You know, like you have to pick up the ball, and by then the defenders are ten yards more down the field. And he averaged seven point six yards per per kick return. He returned the kick five times. Yeah, when 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 they do
0: when they have two pooch kicks to one guy, like, you know, that that's exactly what they want to do. Right. Like they're just like, we're making the decision making very easy in that particular phase of the game for the Washington coaches coaching mm-hmm. staff. Right. They said, okay, yeah. we'll give it to the guy in the club. Of course, we know he's not going to break one loose and he's only got one arm to protect the football. So yeah, I, I got really, really scared that he was going to fumble on the two, uh the two pooch kicks that they sent his way.
2: Yeah. I also wanted to say quickly on the, like, the last drive cuz like look, we shouldn't have been there but we got there and we Whittington big boy pr- like every second every drive every snap he played for us as a Texas Longhorn when he was healthy, he gave it all he got. Um and we a lot of guys really helped deliver on that final drive. But when we got down there the play calling was so questionable I got kind of roasted in another in one of my group texts about saying like you know I get why we didn't attack the middle of the field and the middle of the end zone, but I would have liked to see us try to go to you know try to go to Sanders, try to go to Whittington. And like I know we have no timeouts left, but it's not absolutely crazy to get a little closer, spike the ball. It would have been better than like the, a couple of the last plays we ran, especially like after we hit the fade the first time for the touchdown to A.D. Mitchell. They knew it was coming, and to run it twice like and I get he was under pressure, but it just didn't work.
1: Well. The way that I look at it, okay, let's start from the beginning, right? Dylan Johnson goes down. What are you doing there? You know, just crawl off the field if you have to. I think everyone thought the same thing. We they basically gifted us a timeout, we mm-hmm. would have had the ball left of maybe 15 seconds left and had to have gone down the entire distance of the field. Instead, we get it with 50 seconds left. And on top of that, they have that kick return or the or the punter interference, right? Where we get an extra 15 yards on that. So two you know bad mistakes by washington probably the biggest mistakes they've made all game besides the muff punt you know we were this is the most penalized game that we've had all season i like think they said so you know we were we were really gifted that end of the game now the play calling up till when we got to the 13 yard line was great you know the the deep ball to whittington one-on-one that was awesome you know they they took all the attention to xavier worthy and sanders and ad mitchell and left you know their one of their uh weaker defensive players on, on, you know, our senior who this means a lot to in in Winnington He makes a great catch. And then of course, you know, give Jaden blue some respect. Like he had that amazing catch too on the sideline that uh, got reviewed that ended up standing. But then once we got there to the 13 yard line, right, you got four plays. Mm -hmm. We actually got gifted a fourth play because you know, it was, it was questionable whether or not we had one second left on the clock or zero seconds left on the clock. Great, great work
0: by that guy on our staff who caught the ball. ball. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, you know, I mean, if that ball hangs up in the air a little bit longer, they, they put zeros up on the clock. So thank, thank you, ball boy. Um, but at the end of the day, yes, the play call was not great, right? You start off doing that little, um, like bubble screen or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, you throw the out route to, to Jaden for negative yardage, you lose, you know, four or five seconds and you throw, you know, a, a fade to 80 Mitchell doesn't work. Right. And then, uh, for, the, inco- for, you know, the,
2: the, the incomplete pass that goes out of bounds of that ball boy catches oh yeah
1: th- yeah th- there you go that's the play and then the last play of the game so look th- the fade was there you know like we, we all saw like the frame by frame like it was a matter of of inches like you know the guy honestly got on him a little early like that could have been called you know it's ticky tacky are um, not gonna call also, at the end of the game that that ball also could have been thrown uh, you know, more, um, less in the air and more of a through ball because yeah, he zip. had separation, put some zip on it there. That's zip it front
0: good. pylon, let your guy go make the play. One hundred percent. But also the one thing ahead.
1: before you get there, the one thing is when I saw that play, I was like, okay, how are we not at least trying to figure out multiple routes and not just throw that fade? That fade's going to be there, right? So if you need to check it, but what we ended up doing was, was taking Whittington in motion you know, and basically taken completely out of the play because all he did was stand on the other side. And that didn't do anything besides, you know, clear a safety out of the way, you know, to to get one on one with with A.D. Mitchell when you could have honestly like you could have seen what Xavier was doing across the middle, you could have seen what Sanders is doing, you could have ran a combo route. I mean, Greg McElroy mentioned a route. He said these should do double post right here with AD and Xavier Worthy. Let whoever gets open get open. One of those guys could might get open. And so I just I hated the fact that we weren't getting forward, you know, and we could have even tried to get a first down um, or at least try to get, you know, five yards to get it a little bit closer. I mean, a 13-yard fade route's tough.
2: Tough. Yeah. That's why I was like, that's why I was like saying like we could attack. I don't even mean like attack the middle of the field. Like I made a joke, like hit Ogbo at the three yard line and let's see if he can barrel his way in. Like, <laughs> let's roll the that's dice. the first there. pitch of
1: the season, right?
2: Epic. I loved it. It was fire. <laughs> and then like, you know, but I think for real though, like I, 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 why not, you know, in the first play, try to attack the middle of the field and that way yet they have to respect it a little bit. Cause they know that you're ready to roll the dice and then spike it. Yeah. And then you have two plays at the five yard line, you know, and it just the fade route for a thirteen yards are so right doesn't make sense. I, I think what he looking at the way like the frame by frame, like all the different angles. I think what happened with Quinn was he didn't want to take a sack and he didn't want to throw a pick. He, he, I think he was trying to do a lot more things that he was like. He's like, I'm trying not to do these things versus like you know nuts in the bump like kind of trying to zip it in there. Because you see there's a linebacker right there. I think he got a little spooked by him, which is why he tried to loft it over for the fade. He had, he had some pressure. They got through on him. The last thing you want to do in the last play is take a sack. That's a terrible look in his mind. So I think he just kind of lofted it up and, and you know, tried to strike lightning twice, and it didn't work out. But once we had that negative play to blue for a negative yard that killed some time, I was like – you know, for they really didn't have it, and you know, a Whittington catch shaved the drive because the drive now that if we remember it started off with, uh, two incompletions by Quinn, like yeah. two big, one bad throw and then another bad throw to Sanders, who really wasn't even looking. So it was a little disappointing there, but I I, I do think that you know I would have I would have loved. And I think I don't know if you said this before the show or maybe during the beginning of the show, but I, it, it would have been at least very helpful if we scored on that first drive rather than get the field. Goal. And I wanted them to kick. The and, field
0: goal. And, and we were attempting to score because I think there were multiple opportunities when we got to the thirty. Yeah. At least the people that we were watching it with, Josh, were like, in the. Of course, they have such trust in Burt. that they were like, just rip the field goal now. I was okay.
2: saying that I was like, kick the field goal, let's get some points. Like, but I, I liked what Sartre did
0: we got to the 10, we got two more first downs after that. And we had a chance we were knocking on the door to score. Then, you know, we, we tried, we used all three downs. We kicked the field goal. Okay. We took the points when we, when we had to, at that point, which I was super comfortable with that decision-making. Um, I, I think it was great that you pointed out before that we had that Whittington throw and the, and the catch an excellent play. And that was on Muhammad who had actually had a pretty good game. And obviously was talking a lot of smack. So I loved that he made that play on him. Um, in that moment. But I just thought that it's kind of a confluence of multiple things. That last drive and that last opportunity that we had is, and to me it all points to the inexperience, the inexperience on the offensive line to not, you know, do what they need to do to to give Quinn enough time to make proper decisions. And I, again, like I, I keep, it's hard not to compare Quinn to the other guy that was quarterbacking in this game.
2: Who's 24 ex- years old. I mean, it's exactly.
0: He's like- four years of, of life and football that he's played more than, more than Quinn. But I think that the, the thing that Quinn, what holds him back still and what we saw throughout the year. And, and I think one of the things that you could talk about with him is that he is at this point in his career inconsistent and or streaky, right? The talent is there. And when he, when it's right, it looks really, really good. But I think he just makes decisions pre-snap and ends up kind of tracking to one target as opposed to reading the defense and then making the play and making the throw. And so I think the fade route to AD, I think a lot of things are going into Quinn's mind and I'd, I'd love to hear what he has to say about it at some point. But I think part of what was in his mind is two drives ago when AD Mitchell, before he caught the fade was pissed on the sideline being like, get me the ball. Why are you not getting me the ball? Yeah. And so at a certain point, he, he has to trust himself, Quinn and say, okay, yes, I want to get the ball to AD, but I got to get it to him in the right way. And by just floating a, a prayer up there, that doesn't give us the best chance of, of catching that and converting, right? And I, I also think that the check down to Blue with the first play, I think that it was an acknowledgement that Sark knew that they were going to play drop shell coverage and that there might be an opportunity for him to scamper up the sideline and get 10, 15 yards quickly. But you also have two young players there and what Blue has to recognize when Quinn throws him the ball is that if it's not there, he's got to bat that ball down and give us as much time as possible. Right.
2: Yeah. Like, and that's like, he's, as opposed to like catching it and then getting it play, out though. of bounds.
0: Like it's, it's that's really tough. hard to make that level that's of tough decision-making, play. Tough play. but you have to. And that's, that's the margin of error that we were at at that point in the game.
2: Um, I think a, before you yeah. go, next, I think a I think a big oh, our buddy Benji Dweck hopped in. He said sorry for the lost scope puffs. He's a buff. <laughs> I gotta got to text him it. back. I think he texted me. I got to text him back. I forgot to. Um, the yeah, I, I think what I think what Sark realized though after that, I think we needed Blues help in the block blocking game. He really needed to drop back and we needed help because I think one of the more underrated players of this game was Braylon Trice. Um, and Braylon Trice was pretty fantastic uh, as as far as edge guys go, and he really, you know, as much as Penix made a name for himself, as much as Roman Dunes, they cemented himself as the number two wide receiver in this draft class. Braylon Trice and a group of edge rushers, where we don't really know outside of maybe Latu, Latu, who can go first over, who first over of all those edge rushers. I think Braylon Trice really showed something against this, a good Texas, you know, offensive line in the passing game. So he really impressed me, and he when dominated. The- he dominated Force fumble sacks. Like he really, I know Penix was the MVP, but if there was a second MVP and he was the defensive player of the game, it, it should have been Braylon Trice. And I'm really excited to see him go up against this Michigan offensive line who did a really nice job against a strong Alabama defensive line. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, quickly guys. Uh, one thing that you want to see for next year, you know, it can be positive or negative, but one thing that you want to see from this year that you, you know, you want to carry over to next year.
1: I think I just I want to see just more of an identity on offense Um, because at the end of the day I feel like you know I mean look we crushed it in the run game all season long Um, you know this game we had over 180 yards rushing the ball but they run they ran the ball more than we did I know they were trying to run the clock out but like having more of an identity on offense to to know like what your strong suits are because I think sometimes we lack that Mm -hmm. and with the receivers that we're gonna have coming in next season I mean. I still bet that we're going to lose A.D. Mitchell and uh, Xavier Worthy. And then, of course, we know that Whittington can't return because his eligibility is up. Um, You know, there's rumors that maybe Sanders comes back. Um, But just lean on those guys to be like the Roma Dunze and, you know, the Jalen Polk and the Jalen McMillan that 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 Washington has. You know, like I want that dominant aerial attack where, you know, Quinn's going to have multiple options to go to playmakers that are going to be pros next year. And he did this year. I just feel like we didn't, we didn't utilize our guys the way that we should have, you know, because they had two catches all game and he's one of the most electric players in all college football. And so, you know, when we have John cook and you have Ryan Wingo and you have Matthew golden and whoever comes in and steps up and starts on an offense, you need to make sure those guys are touching the ball you know, five, six times a game. They won this game because Roma Dunes, they touched the ball six times. Polk touched the ball five times. Westover, who I told you guys was probably their unsung hero, right? Their, their super senior uh, tight end who just made crucial catch after crucial catch. And then Jalen Millen had five catches. I mean, you want to make sure that those best guys get the ball as many times as possible. And look, our, our top receiver was Jatavian Sanders. He had six catches. That's fine. But Xavier having two and I having four, doesn't cut it for me
2: especially yeah. at the, at the, it's at the end of the game too yeah. i'm
1: with you it's
2: like there is a like, it's like borderline garbage time
1: right and i've also like same thing goes for the run game too if you know if we're breaking off 6.4 yards a game as you guys mentioned why are we not going you know running the ball on first down trying to get six yards chunk plays right cj baxter had nine carries and jaden blue had nine carries why don't they each have 10 carries
2: yeah, well, I think the fumbling and us being down hurt us, and I think that's what I'm maybe excited for next year is the is the football running the rock with Brooks Blue and Baxter the triple Bs. I think that I think could all be really nice. Um, and I'll I'll go back to mine before it gets to yours. Toss to close this out. I want Sark and Quinn to have that edge where they can dominate and should dominate every game. Not just on not just on opponents that they know they can kick their ass. Like we knew we could kick Oklahoma State's ass. We knew like it was the last Big Twelve championship, and we came out. We put nuts on the bump. This game, the OU game, we were we came out a little timid, and a little scared, and you know the other team hit hit us right in the mouth. And they weren't. And they were ready for that big moment, um, and they had that chip on their shoulder. I know we made it. I know we're going to the SEC. But I, I, they want to. People want to beat us. People want to show that we don't belong. I want to have that chip on the shoulder next season. And I want, to, I want to go to Michigan, and I want to prove it, especially if Michigan wins this fucking thing. I want, I want to go into their house, and I want to win. I want Quinn and Sark to prove that Quinn is, should be, if he's coming back, the top guy next year in the NFL draft. That should be, like, every single game.
1: Yeah, and before you go to us, you just said something that I've been thinking about all day and all yesterday. It's so apparent. I mean, I feel like we already knew this, but, man, there are a lot of people that hate us, that love Michigan. Oh, yeah. That, like... Yeah. I, I was just like walking through San Diego where I was spending New Year's, and I had my Texas jersey on before the game, and everyone just like giving me horns down, and people were like, "Go Washington, UW money line." Like, clearly not even Washington fans. Like, you're not wearing any Washington gear. Like, you're you're saying UW money line, not like go Huskies. Like, you're just talking with your with your you know pockets, but also just like looking at Twitter about how many people are like just trying to roast us and putting down the horns down emojis. It's like. God, you guys are like, like you have no tie to either OU or AM oh, yeah. or anything like that. And like you still want to throw horns down and like make our university relevant in your mind. Makes no yeah. sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I wait. I mean, it's not going away. It definitely won't go away. We just haven't been in a position where we've been winning enough to get the boo birds out in full force for no reason. Right. Like yeah. now they're just mad because they're mad. Whether it's OU fans or AM fans, um, uh, mad that we're in the the college football semifinal, Johnny Manziel tweeted about us, which like, okay, we play all next year. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's fun. It's like, it's good because like that rivalry will become a big thing again, no matter what teams, no no matter whether Texas or Texas A&M for the next five years are really, really good or not like to have that rivalry back will be really, really great. Um, But for our team, like takeaways and things I want to see, I want to see the continued growth. I want to see us, stay hungry. Right. I I want to be hearing about what's going on preseason and camp and spring ball. Um, and that these guys are not satisfied. I want to hear that they want to come back and they want a championship. Like Mm -hmm. I want to hear that vocalization from CDC, from SART, from some of the players. Um, there's a lot of work to do. These guys are young, but it doesn't mean that they can't get better. And I expect them to get better. And if they do, that's going to be a lot of fun for us to watch as fans because these guys are really, really talented. We've been developing the last two years you know, better than we have in the last 10 years that we've been watching as, as Texas football fans. So um, I, I'm excited about that. I really want to see next year going into game after game and our schedule, I want to see PK get a little bit more creative defensively. I think you know, looking at that Michigan defensive line and how they handled the Alabama offensive line – They were, they were running stunts. They were throwing guys all over the defensive line. And I just felt like we kind of like we kind of rushed four, and maybe we'd bring a linebacker. Like we we don't get very creative with it. And I thought that put a lot of pressure on our weakest personnel group this year in the defensive backfield, which will get better last year, which was, has already been addressed in recruiting. We're young. We're bringing guys in like Bakuba. like we will be better there, but it doesn't mean that our talent is going to get us through things by itself. And I thought that, you know, while PK was really, really good, a lot of that just had to do with the fact that that we had two studs up the middle who are just beasts of players. And and Byron and and Tavondra were fantastic all season. I want us, I want whether it's Burke or Sorrell, which we called for going into this season for Barron, or if it's it's Simmons who makes a a huge impact as a freshman. Trey Moore. or it's Trey Moore, whoever it is, to become one of the most dominant edge rushers in college football because I'm starting to realize more and more, we know how impactful those, those players are in the NFL and how important they are, but we need a guy like that that can be a real game wrecker like Dio was for us. Yeah. Um, and we didn't have that this year. We, we just didn't. It. Like, it's great to stop the run but a lot of teams in college football throw and they throw often.
2: So I think we will with the guys with all those guys that we just listed, that you just listed were, I think having that depth there and that, you know, and again, Simmons will be a freshman, but Hill and Sorrell will be a senior, Burke, junior Hill, a sophomore. we had a lot of snaps this year and Trey Moore is going to be a junior. I think, you know, all that, all that depth and all that experience is going to be really beneficial as we go to the SEC to go and get the, go and get the quarterback. Well, you're right. The strong suit was up the middle, but I think the strong suit then becomes on the edges where we really need it. Um, and I think it's really cool that, like, look, Dallas Turner for the Alabama Crimson Tide, he declared as soon as the game was over. He declared for the NFL draft. I'm not saying that no one's declaring, but so far I haven't heard anything about anybody declaring. So I think – I really think – we'll see. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not holding out hope, I'm not holding out my breath, but it should be pointed out that no one has made an exact decision yet. So it really leads me to believe that guys like Mitchell, guys like Sanders, guys like Worthy, guys like Murphy who can go to the draft are going to sit here and consider it. And they're actually going to think on it. They should go to the Should they go to the draft? Yes, you'll be taking that at worst the second round. And if you're going to be taking that at worst the second round, it's not worth you risking it in my book and I think any of our books. But college is different. You get paid nowadays to go to school. And if you really want that national championship and you think that you could all return and get that national championship, which if all these guys return, we're going to be a top five team, no doubt next season in the 12 team playoff. First year in the SEC and you want that smoke. One or two guys makes all the difference. So yeah. All right, gents. Sad, but true. (laughs) Great year. Uh, And we'll get them next time really well so i think it, i i think it's the first year we could actually say that with with sincere confidence rather yeah. than just hope like well, i told we'll you
0: i told you earlier today josh and i'm sure nick you you uh shared the same sentiment i've never been as excited as as sad as i am as as heavy as my heart is right now for for our guys who put the, their blood sweat and tears into this team into the season i've never been more excited the day after our season has ended or at least in the last like 10 years, because like, I I'm upset that I don't get to watch these guys now because I, I know how hungry they are and and how, how sour of a taste they have in their mouth after that loss. Like, and and we're going to be great next year and I'm I'm excited
1: to watch it. I'm excited. But when you get that close, you know, it does, it does feel like you're like, we have, we have put so much time and emotion and work into just covering this team and watching this team and, Hoping and praying for this team, and uh, yeah. you know, selfishly and, and,
2: we wanted we wanted to go get content. It sucks. Like it sucks for the kids. It sucks for the fans. It sucks. Yeah. for the, the, the coverage guys. It blows. No doubt.
1: You know, as fans, I feel like we all feel this, and you know, it's a good. Uh, obviously, we have this oasis where we can talk about this and vent a little bit, and you know, people can listen in and also express the same feelings, and if they want to, you know, hop in the comments and and say stuff to us on there as well. I mean, it's always nice to have that community. Um, that's one thing I think I've always been really. Proud to say I'm a longhorn about is the community that we have. I feel like other longhorns are also very supportive, and I feel like through and through we have a really good fan base. And people, Mm -hmm. you know, for the most part, you know, are pretty realistic. I mean, you know, you do have those people sometimes that are, you know, a little outlandish and kind of have unrealistic expectations. I mean, look, we look at the teams that we had with Tom Herman, we have with Chuck Strong, and even the early Stark teams, like. We always joked like it's our year, but we always knew like, come on, those teams aren't national national title caliber. And I think this year there were still some questions even with, with us and with Q, you know, saying that, you know, we're not really there yet. You know, we're a playoff team, but I think when we had, we had Chris Warren on, he said the same thing. He was like, yeah, like there's a difference between being a, a playoff team and a national champion. And, you know, as the season kind of went along, like you started to see more of the identity of this team that we fight, but, yeah. I mean, look, we had those games where we played it way too close, but it was questionable whether or not we even belonged. And this game, you know, had a lot of glimpses of what we had during those, those shaky games this season against Kansas state, you know, against Wyoming, against Houston. Um, and at yeah. the end, it's incredible that we had the chance to to win it and go to and, and walk it off basically with the last second of the game, but looking forward to next season, I think it'll be a really fun one. You know, No matter who's on this roster, no matter who's not on this roster, uh, you know I'm. I'm, We're guessing Quinn's going to be our guy because I think he would have gone if he had you know two amazing games, but it's not going to be the case. Um, But yeah, I'm. I'm excited. I mean, we know that Arch has no intention of of transferring. He came out and said he said I haven't thought about transferring. Um, So you know, don't don't look behind, don't look over your shoulder. You know, in 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 that case, when it comes to is he going to transfer? Is he not? And just be excited about the guys that are coming in because we have a top three recruiting class and we crushed the transfer portal and it's not even over yet.
2: And you never know. Yep. We lost Bijan Robinson. Everyone thought our run game was going to go to crap and look who emerged. So anything could happen. It's always next man up. And these guys, like we said, you know, we maybe at times didn't think we were a championship caliber team, but we proved we belong. We proved we could take the potential national champion to the last second and it's a really really it's a 10 out of 10 season for me maybe nine and a half because we didn't get the the last ring but really awesome stuff <coughs> pleasure as always we'll see you guys tomorrow because we're the horns up talking texas podcast fisher Sopolis, dj nikki snacks Kreider. we got ya. we love you hook em. just a nice little friendly reminder this show is brought to you
1: by who nick BetOnline.ag. Go to betonline.ag to get 50% off your welcome bonus when you use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. BetOnline.ag, your ultimate sports book for any type of betting. They've even got a casino. If you want to hit the blackjack table, hit the roulette table, be our guest. BetOnline.ag. <laughs>